Hello and welcome to the Tennis Menu's ATP Finals Daily Show. Val Febo here with you. We've got uh, one familiar face and one face that we have known throughout our daily shows throughout this year, but hasn't been on every day. We've dropped marks to fullest for outfit repetition. We'll introduce our, uh, our guest co-host for the day as well. But remember, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time is our webinar. You can go on through the social media links that we're posting every day at Tennis Menu on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and also on Instagram as well. And we will also drop the link below the show on our social media platforms as well. So click on the link and you'll be able to log into our webinar where myself and Mark Sapoulos will chat all things coaching for the hour as well. And you can also on the tennismenu.com Get the Crunching the Numbers package. This is the latest tennis data trends run by our great friend Shane Leonage for only $39.90 US on the tennismenu.com. But let's get into the agenda. It was a big night with big players making their play. Novak Djokovic is through to the semifinals again at the ATP finals. Didn't make it last year, but he is back with a big win over Alexander Zverev. We'll tell you more about that as well. And then we will also dissect what Daniel Medvedev was able to do to go 3-0, and the only singles or doubles team uh, to go 3-0 and zip in the group stage. Everybody else had a loss. So big stuff there from the Russian Daniel. He's an absolute superstar. And wouldn't it be good to see him salute in the last year of London when the Russian Nikolai Davidenko saluted in the first year. And remember... The discount code for the annual package will be coming up later on in the show as well for the tennis menu. But let's introduce the panel today. The familiar face that's been on every day, Joel Frucci. How are you, mate? Yeah, going very well indeed, boys. Excited for the semifinals. And uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm glad at least one of us is donning the cap and also the white t-shirt. Yeah, I thought I had to I had to be the outfit repeater for Mark Sifullis today to keep the trend <laughs> going. But um, speaking of Mark, that is not Mark. Who, uh, well, on my Zoom, he's above me. Um, but probably on other people's Zoom, he's going to be either on one of those sides. But um, our great friend from Data Driven Sports Analytics, Shane Leonage, if there is a statistic that he doesn't know, it is not worth knowing. Shane, thank you for joining us today and filling in for Mark. It's a great pleasure to have you on. And we're going to chat a lot about the data of the ATP finals from last night in the tournament and what's to come as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me, boys. I was uh, yeah having a bit of a joke with you. I'm not sure about this trading business. I feel like uh, uh, losing Mark for me is not a great trade, but uh, no, happy to be on. <laughs> Well, if we're anything like Collingwood's list management, um, no, we're, uh, yeah, it's it's not good. But, mate, you are, you're an absolute star. And, uh, yeah, this is, um, look, it could be a welcome upgrade. Mark not, might not be welcome back on the show. Um, so this this could be a worry. I hope, uh, yeah, Mark, hello, if you're watching, um, don't hate me. Um, but, yeah, so let's, let's start at the agenda. And it was a... I think the one that we need to start with was the Alexander Zverev uh, match against Novak Djokovic last night. And look, it was straight set, 6-3, 7-6. Only one break of serve, which I think Zverev would be pretty pleased with considering his serve um, or his service failures throughout this year, I guess. And 12 aces, still six double faults, but it's 75% on the first serve and won 84% of his first serve points. But when you're up against Novak, the best returner in the history of, uh, of tennis... Um, even that might not be enough half the time. And um, yeah, he was um, he was able to save three of the four break points, but one of Novak's did eventually get through. Novak himself saving all three break points he faced. And um, Joel, Novak, through to the semis. Yeah, he is through to the semis. And uh, well, it kind of just felt like one of those real Novak matches. I mean, as you said, Val, Alex Varev hit uh, 12 aces and he also put down 38 winners, but he still lost his straight sets. 
And uh, that is really just what Novak Djokovic um, does to you. But um, what about the yeah, Alcantara account? There would have been a few of those. Yeah, there were a few of those. Um, there were 19. So there you yeah. go. But um, yeah, look, uh, excited for the semifinals now with uh, Novak Djokovic and, and Dominic team. That's uh, a really, really uh, tasty matchup. And um, interested to see what team can do against him. Um, we we cast our minds back to the Australian Open final, which feels like forever ago now. But um, I wonder if uh, if Dominic maybe takes some intel out of that and um, maybe just revisits some of those things that, that he think he uh, he he could have done a little bit better and, and, and tries to translate those um, into this match. Well, he also beat him in this tournament last year in the round robin stage 7-6 in the third mm-hmm. in what was arguably the best match of 2019 in a best of three set format anyway. But uh, Shane, uh, the data from the match last night and where, where do you think the match was won and lost for Zverev? Was it on the serve or was there another... Another, or where was it one for Novak? Was it, um, was it the return game or was it just the sheer consistency that we have come to know from Novak over the last 15 years? Yeah, look, uh, probably, probably a bit of everything. And, and I think Zverev didn't play bad. And if, if you look at the overall points, I think he won 65 points and Novak won 70. So not, not a huge differential there. Um, he actually, like, if you look at the percentage of service points won and the percentage of return points won, Zverev actually won both of them. And lost the match. It's very rare that happens. <laughs> he hit 38 winners, as Joel said, and only 19 unforced errors. So that's a, that's a pretty good return. Um, yet he lost. Um, and and one one key area that we look at is under pressure points. And this is where, um, so the pressure points, Djokovic was winning 61% to Zverev's 39. So that 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 was the d- difference really when, when it mattered. Novak was able to play big. Um, in terms of maybe looking at some of the tactical. Um, things that Novak employed on the juice court. He played very much a, uh, a length game. So he went deep to the Zverev forehand. So about 50% of the time it was going that way, very deep. So trying to push Zverev back on his forehand side. But on the ad court, he went um, very much a width game. So he went, went to the Zverev backhand, but was drawing Zverev out wide. So with shorter ball, take him out wide and then um, hoping to sort of open him up on the next shot. So tactically, that was how Novak played Zverev, which is a, a really good strategy that a lot of players would use. Um, Zverev stuck in the middle of the court hitting backhands is not where you want to be. You want Zverev on the move on his backhand side and you want to be pushing him back on the forehand side. And, and Djokovic did that when it mattered. Um, and and yeah, ultimately he's the, he's the one in the, the semifinal. And it seems as though Novak is the king at doing that. He might not be the better player on the day sometimes and he might be under the most amount of pressure, but when it comes to a tiebreak, the guy just does not lose. And we saw the Wimbledon final of 2019, and I'm going to kick myself for bringing it up, but he didn't make one forced, <laughs> un- unforced error in those three tiebreaks. He played Federer again in the Australian Open semifinals um, after that Wimbledon match. And the first set was a tiebreaker, didn't make one unforced error. And again, in the tiebreaks when he needs to, when Zverev might be winning in a lot of key facets of this match he still comes up with the goods. And that's why this guy has been so impressive when he might not be the better player on the day or it might be that even, but his ability to go to that, well, I guess the, the Novak zone is unparalleled and no other player, I think, in history has, has been able to do it quite like Novak. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I, he, I mean, he's definitely, um, he has proven that over time, of, of course. And um, I guess speaking as well from... Uh, experienced boys having, um, I mean, at a, at a much different level, just, uh, you know, 
uh, Tuesday nights uh, at the back on court eight at Vivang Tennis Club. But like, if you if you find yourself in a in a breaker, I mean, the way that you want to be going about things is um, not necessarily sort of having to go after uh, winners in breakers um, because there is so much pressure. So I guess the way that Novak does go about it, just the fact that he is able to just soak it up and and just make his opponent play that one extra shot and and, and really uh, essentially get them to feel that pressure and put the pressure back on them. Um, that is that is. Uh, a, a really good way to go about uh, to be going about things in a breaker. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just think the way, and, and this is what Dominic team needs to be able to do. I think tonight, uh, and he just needs to be able to stick. And and Dominic team's tiebreak record this year, and I did a piece for this on the tennis menu. It's sixteen and nine this year for someone that doesn't have the biggest serve, Shane, and for someone that that doesn't win as many free points in his serve on his serve as a lot of other players do, and for him who's a purely power and rally based game and just tries to put 150% into every shot to win a tight to win, to have that tie break record at nearly 70%. I think you'd be really happy with that. And he's won some pretty key ones this year, three against Rafael Nadal in the quarters of the Australian open this year, two against Rafa this year at the ATP finals. And then that famous fifth set tie break at the U S open when neither him or Zverev wanted to win the match. Yeah, look, he's he's done a lot of work in the last two years on the hardcore, and one of the things is the using the slice on the return. So um, previously, he'd he'd be trying to smack it uh, full swing on both the forehand and backhand on the on the return, and it would uh, a lot of a lot of balls would go unreturned. But he's he's starting to use a bit more ch- sort of chipping back into play, a bit more slice, and that's got him into the points in the tie breaks, and and then you know let his power game sort of take control after that. So um, yeah, he's uh, he's playing. <laughs> exceptionally well i know off, off air we were talking about you know it's the next four or five years of prime prime team time so um yeah we could see someone that sort of pushes up in the slam count and, and by the end of his career it's not out of the realms of possibility that he's, he's won 10 or more slams as well yep exactly right and we looked since the start of 2018 against the big three team is in a positive ledger at 10 and 7 um overall it's um seven and four for Djokovic and team we'll get to the re- preview um, a bit later on, but I think he's um, I think he's primed to possibly go and rectify that loss that he had in the final to Stefano Tsitsipas last year and possibly hoist his first ATP finals crown. But the other match last night, well, it was a well and truly uh, dead rubber uh, and Daniel Medvedev really kicked the dead carcass of Diego Schwartzman 6-3, 6-3. He was absolutely dominant. We thought there might be a little bit of a dip um, like team had with Andre Rublev. But uh, Daniel was just absolutely primed, and there was a there was a stat this morning that um, I think it was the tennis podcast uh, tweeted, and it was so he's set he's six sets so far this tournament six three six four six three six three six three six three that's that's just as strong as anything, and I think Joel looking at the concentration after winning in Paris Bercy last week, he must be on cloud nine right now to be able to go three and zip he gets another crack against Rafael Nadal after such heartbreak last year Shane and I were talking about it off air he was up 5-1 on his serve had 40-30 match points and then Nadal ends up winning it so it's <laughs> he's had some heartbreaks against Rafa in the US Open like we talked about yesterday but um, if he's ever going to do it it's going to be now isn't it yeah definitely um, he's in such a good vein of form Daniil um, obviously we would we just heard the stat from from you there, Val. But if you factor in Versey as well, he's won uh, seven matches in a row now, and in that stretch, he's only lost two sets. Um, so, I mean, that that is 
some kind of form to be going in with. And I think that the win against Diego Schwartzman um, overnight for Daniil, even though it was a dead rubber, and we talk about uh, these dead rubbers and, and wanting to go in and, and win them. And Mark made a really good point about playing time um, yesterday. You're still going out and playing that time. So really, um, if you're going onto the court and playing that dead rubber, you still want to be winning. Of course, we, we saw Dominic Team lose against Andre Rublev. Um, there really was nothing to play for um, from Team's point of view. Same as Danil, but I think with him, it was probably more important that he went out against Schwartzman and got himself that win um, as opposed to Team's situation with Rublev because I feel like Danil is more temperamental than Team is. Um, yeah. So it was really, I think it was really confident for him just to go into the semifinal against Rafa, just on the back of that confidence that he's won um, those those three matches uh, in in a row. Yep, I agree, and I think, that, and that's the one. He's zero and three against Rafael Nadal. It's um, and and that's the problem. I think he's lost. He lost in the Canada final last year, three in love, five sets in the U.S. Open, big three setter here last year. This is the time for him to do it. But the one thing that worries me, Shane heading into this match was the second serve points one from Daniel Medvedev. Yes, he was 35 from 40 on first serve points at 88% and served at 74%, which is very high. But Diego Schwartzman on the second serve uh, won nine of the 14 um, points and Medvedev five of 14 winning on his own second serve at 36%. When you're playing against Rafa, that's not an acceptable statistic. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where he's going to be tested. He's, the historical head-to-heads show that as well. That's where Rafa really takes control of it. Um, both players actually struggle against each other to, to hold serves. So I think there'll be a, a bit of a battle in that regard. Um, I think on last night's match, um, yeah, look, he he was incredibly good in in all the rally categories as well. Not to four, he, he beat Diego 16 to 13, five to eight. He was up five and five to four, nine plus he was up nine and six. So it was comprehensive really in all facets. Maybe the, the second serve points one was probably the one sort of knock on, on the result. Yeah. Um, I'd love to at some point talk to, to the two of you um, on the show about the dead rubbers and, and, and the round robin format because there's been a bit of discussion on that. Um, but before we get into it, yeah, I, I want to shout out to um, Fabrice Zavaro, who's the strategy consultant and working for Jill Zavaro for Daniel Medvedev. Um, he came on the start of the, the US summer last year. And since then, um, the work that they've done with Medvedev, um, with Gilles Zavaro as well, um, it's exceptional. He's now very much entrenched in that sort of top echelon of, of players. And, and I think um, he's going to be challenging for slams with um, with the likes of team and Zverev for, for the next decade as well. Yep. And we saw, um, I saw a tweet this morning that it's so fitting that two of the members of the big three are in this semifinal here. And then there is the two men that are most likely to usurp them and take that mantle of the two next big guns in this game are joining them in the semifinals. And um, before we do get to the previews, and I do want to chat about that dead rubber as that dead rubber statistic as well. But looking at um, this top four seeds are through to the semifinals. Can you guys tell me when the last time that was? Was it 2018? No, it was, it was a lot. It was, it was a fair while before that. Wasn't even in London. Oh, okay. It was was in Shanghai, I thought, but again... Oh, not even Shanghai. Jeez, okay. Mm. I'm stumped. When was the the last year that Houston hosted it? Wow. 
I'll give you the year, 2004. 2004? Yep. And can Four. you tell me who those four players were? Jeez. I'll have Federer in there, yep. Roddick. Yep. Uh, Hewitt, would, was he in yep. there? Hewitt made the final. Um, and then there's one more. Juan Carlos Ferrero? No, no. Okay. It's four at the time. It wasn't Lubacic, was it, Val? No, it wasn't. <laughs> inside it was inside joke there, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joel, dropped, Joel dropped an F-bomb on our podcast when giving a Lubacic answer. All right, I'll give you the answer. It was Marit Safin, the 2005 Australian Open champion. So oh, big those, right, yeah. those four actually made the finals of the Australian Open um, the next year as well. So two months later, they were the final quartet at, uh, at the Oz Open. And then this is only the second time since 1990 that um, that uh, the top four have made the semifinals at the uh, ATP finals. And that year, it was Edberg, Becker, Lendl, and Agassi. So... I mean, in, in that, there's an interest. I mean, we're playing at the end of the year, usually on an indoor surface. The, the, the weeks around the year, there's 52 weeks on different surfaces. So I suppose the top eight um, might have a strong sort of clay weighting or a grass court pedigree. And then when they're playing on the indoor hard court, sometimes uh, it, yeah. it, it's not necessarily the best sort of four players on the indoor car that are, that are seated that way. So yeah. uh, in one sense, it's not overly surprising, but it, it is a crazy stat that you bring up. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And considering the big four were so dominant for such a long time, and I think all four of them did share the semifinals at one point, for the dominance that they had to only get there once, but then you had the likes of Ferrer, Davidenko, Del Potro, Nishikori, Ranić, all just, and Burdich as well, just trying to get themselves through. And um, even Jack Sock made a semifinal at one point, and I still can't get my head around that. I really can't. But we'll get to the previews tonight. Dominic team, Novak Djokovic, literal heavyweight tennis that we are going to see the Australian open final of this year, two of the three major uh, champions. I am so excited for this match and what it is going to produce because we are in for, well, the utmost of popcorn matchups and Shane, um, we'll start with you. Some of the data that you think is going to be the key for Djokovic or team um, to emerge victorious from this encounter. Yeah, I think for the team, there's probably um, two things that he, he needs to, to to really sort of, well, one, one thing he needs to avoid, and that's too much sort of backhand cross battles with Novak Djokovic. So he needs to use the backhand up the line a little bit more. Um, and whenever he's in attack, uh, he needs to go at the, the Djokovic forehand with, with his forehand. So I think if he can do that a bit more, um, he he's, he's going to have, um, I think that's, that's going to be a key for him. For Novak, uh, it's probably flipping that. If um, if he can keep, um, when he's in attack, if he can keep sort of peppering the the team backhand, I think that's um, that's going to bode well for him. Um, we know he's got the best two-hander, probably the best backhand that we've seen in the game, uh, Novak. So I think uh, he's going to feel comfortable um, in, in that sort of pattern. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, in terms of, I, I don't think fatigue is going to be an issue. Um, so... Um, yeah, I, I'm expecting a really tight three three set match. Um, yep. I, I can't see it going any other way. Well, if you look at the results, team has always been thereabouts against Novak Djokovic, Joel. And if you see Novak Djokovic this year, Australian Open five sets, team wins a third set tiebreak last year um, at the ATP Finals, Roland Garros semifinal 2019, seven five in the fifth to team, 2019 Madrid semifinals, Djokovic wins that seven six seven six. 2018 Monte Carlo team wins in three. And then you've got the 2017 Roland Garros quarterfinals 
team absolutely. I've never seen anyone apart from Rafa or Roger belt Novak like I saw team do that day. And it was one of the it was one of the perfect performances. So team knows what he can do against Novak Djokovic. He's proven it before, but can he do it again? And this is the big question. If he does it tonight, I reckon watch out for him at the Australian Open whenever that is, because we don't know anymore. But watch it watch out for him because he's going to be there with a with bells on, just saying, I just want to play these big guys again. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if we if we cite a, a past example like the AO final this year, I think the difference in the end was just moments for, for Dominic team. And and that's what, as we said before, that's what Novak does so well to play is he just makes you play that extra ball. Um, and I distinctly remember in the fifth set, there was, there was one point, there was one point um, for memory. It was a, a drop volley and uh, team. It was on a knife edge at that point and team just missed that ball. So I kind of feel like that if, if, if he can just make make those 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 kind of shots and um, and just just get those key points um, in the bag, I kind of feel like that might that might tilt things um, in his favour a little bit. It sounds simplistic, but um, you know, for me, uh, against guys like a Novak, like a Rafa, but especially Novak because of just the way that he plays, those just those moments, they're yeah. just so important. They really are. And I remember we watched that match together. And um, I think we, if we had bricks in our hands, we would have thrown them straight <laughs> to the TV that night. It was, it yeah. was quite the, it was quite the encounter. And, um, and I, I think is mentally Shane, do you think there's going to be any thoughts by team about that Australian open match or will it, you know, it's so long ago now team is a different player that the, the last time they played team wasn't a grand slam champion. And, and now he is one. Now he belongs or he had that sense of belonging to that group. So um, what does that do for team now in probably his first escapade against one of these big three as a Grand Slam champion? Yeah, look, I, look, I think mentally, you know, I'm sure there's a there's a little bit. He'll think there was an opportunity missed. But I, but I think getting that Grand Slam in the US, there's a, a bit of pressure off. He's, he's probably had a few, few weeks to reset. I know that some of the results haven't been his best since then, but he, he seems switched on again. Um, I, I think the Australian Open final, I just want to make a point. He, he came off the back of a really tough match against Zverev. He played a really tough match against Nadal. There was fatigue in that fifth set against Novak. I don't think there's going to be any fatigue tomorrow. Um, so, so I believe um, that's, yeah, that, that was one of the, the things that Novak had his way at, at the O. Um, yeah. The other point I want to make, Novak did lose earlier in the round robins to, to Daniel and they, they this is going to be a completely different matchup. Daniel sort of extends the rallies, um, is kind of waits for you to, to attack. Team's going to take that attack to Novak and, and players have had success um, like Warinka's um, doing that. And I, and I feel like um, the attacking game of the team this week has been exceptional. I, I think the match against Rublev was um, a bit of a training session for him. He didn't really extend himself. Um, but yeah, he'll be he'll be um, mentally ready, and I'll be physically ready tomorrow. So it'll be a great match. I think so as well. We'll get to the picks very shortly. But the next match, Medvedev versus Nadal. Now they've met, as I said, three times. Rafa has been victorious in all three. Two of them, you can argue, probably could have gone to Daniel Medvedev. And as I said yesterday, if you had converted that break point in the um, in early in that fifth set of the U.S. Open final, or late when Nadal was serving for the match. Who knows what would have happened if he had just held his match point from 5-1 up in the third at the ATP finals last year. He would, well, he definitely would have been the winner because it was a match point. But um, 
this is this one, Joel. This, does this now, if Medvedev gets through, it, does it right some wrongs for him? I guess in terms of playing Nadal again, finally getting that win on him, um, and and then pushing on and possibly possibly hoisting this title. And and is it is this maybe a coming of age match for Daniel Medvedev, where if he gets through this? the confidence will be sky high leading into next year, even if he does lose this title. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think potentially it's maybe a bit of a, a bit of a ceiling for him. And regardless of the situation, um, you know, getting one over Rafa is, is always a good confidence booster, particularly at a time like this, the year and finals going um, into 2021, rounding off what's been a really challenging year for, uh, for, for all the players. But look, I think I think for this event is probably just one piece of the puzzle um, in, a, in a broader one for him. Um, Shane was talking about it before. The guy has so much potential and obviously has come a long way. Um, you know, I think if he can um, if he can make the final, if he can win the title, then it's certainly a piece of his his puzzle. But there's 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 more to come. I think a, a really big thing for him will be um, getting that first slam and then also developing into a real kind of all court player because we know he's been a little scratchy particularly uh on the clay this year but coming up against Rafa Mark has been speaking a lot about it um on the show uh this week the way for Daniil is is really just to kind of get that penetration through the court and and really get some depth yep and get and that hunger from Rafa to overcome Shane he's never won this tournament it's been well and truly focused on this week that this is the one tournament that Nadal hasn't won talk us through the data on where you think Daniel, or what you think Daniel needs to target in order to come over um, Rafa for that first time in his career? Yeah, look, the data's been interesting for him. Um, so I think he's made his opponents work a lot this week. So uh, I was looking at, you know, comparing how many balls he has to hit when he's holding serve versus um, uh, when his opponents are holding serve. Um, and when they're conversely getting broken and, and Daniel's, you know, usually hitting uh, around 20, 20 balls in service games um, and his opponents were hitting 40. So he, he's just, you know, getting the job done quickly on his serve and he's making his opponents um, hit a lot of balls on theirs. And, and the, the crazy stat was Novak Djokovic, um, when he was broken, um, he was hitting on average 52, 52 balls um, in, in, in those games. So like, He's going to, again, that's going to have to be something he needs to, to get Nadal to, to just extend himself in, in, his, in his service games and, and Medvedev to sort of um, get through his, his relatively quickly. Um, the return position is an interesting one. So um, he's actually been a, on average a metre further back this week than his career on the indoor hard courts. Um, but he's also managed to return more first serves into play than he's ever done. Um, on, on the indoor hard courts. Um, so he's, he's getting nearly 70% of um, first serve uh, returns back into play, which is a, a, a really high, high level um, against really high quality opponents. So I think, yeah, if he can get more, more, more balls back into play on Rafa's first serve um, and, and then um, extend Rafa in his service games, I think that will sort of pay dividends as the match sort of progresses. And has the... Has the will the indoor will the speed of these courts be Rafa's undoing? Because we know Djokovic owns Nadal on a hard court. Very similar games between Medvedev and Djokovic. They kind of Djokovic is just a little bit better. We know that, but um, 
yeah, it, will the speed of the courts hurt? Because on a hard court, Novak owns Rafa. Can Medvedev start to replicate that? Yeah, I, I think a little bit, but I, I also feel um, it's the best Nadal's played on the indoor hard courts. This is, it's been three high quality matches so far. Like the loss against team was one of the, the, the best quality matches. So I feel like he's, he's found the groove. It's almost a repeat of last year in the sense that he played, he sort of got better as he went on in, in, in London. And then he played in incredible indoor uh, hard court that's, uh, in Madrid for the Davis cup. He's kind of flipped it. He's playing great now. Um, so I think it's a huge opportunity for Nadal. I feel like Medvedev's the, the, the matchup that he would prefer. He would have preferred uh, out of that group. Um, so uh, Zverev is a tough matchup on, on the quicker surfaces. Djokovic is a tough matchup. Medvedev's the one where I think he he probably feels like he's a chance um, to get to the final. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the surface isn't his best, but uh, it's the best opportunity he's had in a long time. It really is. Now, the all-important tips, the ones that are going to make us look silly and the ones that are going to make us look um, look smart. I was lucky yesterday. I got both of them right, thank God. After the day before, I got none from two. Joel, we'll start with you. The winners tonight, Djokovic v. Team, Nadal v. Medvedev. I'm going to go Team and Nadal. Shane? Yeah, I, I agree with Joel. I think Team, team and Nadal. Yeah. Oh, look, my heart really wants to say Team. It does. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go team, and <laughs> I think I just think with Rafa's Rafa has that mental edge over Medvedev, and it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a big obstacle to overcome for Daniel. So I think it might be um team and Nadal again, and Nadal might get to the final for the third time at the Tour Finals. Just quickly before we do go, Shane, I want to get your thoughts on the dead rubber situation, um, and where you think the incentives lie because we did mention it, so we should go to it very quickly, um. Is, is ranking points and prize money not enough motivation for some of the players? Look, look it really should be. Um, I think the, the ranking points, uh, 200 points is, is for a round robin win is is more is, is more than a final of a, a ATP 250. So I think it's, it is incentive. I did have a think about maybe the the approach could be just to add an extra round in the sense that maybe the top top of each group they go through with a buy to a semi final, and then the second place plays the third place. Uh, of the groups so it kind of you go into that third rubber with maybe still something to play for so may, maybe that's an option it just extends the the week by maybe a, a match um I, I don't know um that's the only solution I, that i can think of um but um yeah yeah no it's it's an interesting one and i think it's just i guess part and parcel of the round robin tournaments that you're going to get this and Maybe it may, maybe teams are saying, look, I'm not going to sacrifice my my legs and my body, um, you know, even for the points and the prize money. I've got, you know, I'm sitting third in the world. Um, I, yeah, I could take it off Rafa, but I can do that next year anyway. I want to win this title. And I think that's probably maybe the mentality that team is looking at. But we best we best be off not to waffle people's ears off too much longer. And remember, Daily Show 10 is the discount code that you can uh, put in your tennis menu annual subscription. Um, and that is the code that will give you 10% off. So head to the tennis menu to get the annual subscription for just $99.90 US, which includes over 600 tennis-specific drills and resources to make you a better tennis coach. Daily Show 10, when you do that, 
um, and that is going to give you 10% off to go to 89.90 US. And you can also get the Crunching the Numbers package. That's part of this is the latest data trends run by our great friend Shane Leonage for only 39.90 on the tennismenu.com. And that's where we say thank you to our great friend Shane Leonage for filling in today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mates. And uh, you're a superstar stats man and data man, data analyst. Um, oh, it, it's so good discussing all of that with you. So thank you for filling in for Mark Sapulis. And look, I think Mark might be a permanent uh, omission from the side. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> I, I hope not. I think Mark, Mark's uh, definitely a valued member of the team. And uh, thanks for uh, being nice to me today. No, no problems at all. No, Mark Sapulis will be back uh, tomorrow to chat all things ATP finals and review the semifinals. Joel Frucci, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure again. Yeah, as always, Val. Have a good Saturday, boys. You too. And yep, we've got Tennis Menu on social media, at the Tennis Menu, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. You can subscribe to this podcast as well because it goes up on that format and our YouTube channel as well. Please do subscribe and comment. We've had some great comments as well. So thank you to everybody that's participated in the conversation. Val Febo, Shane Leonage and Joel Frucci joining you to recap the round robin stages of the ATP finals, semifinal review tomorrow and the final preview.